This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money to Me, your need-to-know financial podcast. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, if you're new to our show, thank you for tuning in. Talk Money to Me is a podcast in which we chat about the markets, current factors that are influencing the markets. We also hear from experts in our industry and bring you some very exciting investable ideas to consider. And we're going to do just that today. We're going to be dropping our favorite episode being the order pad in which we're going to bring you a few stock ideas to consider and why we are adding them to our portfolios or borrowing more. Now, before we do this and we dive into the markets, please remember our chat today is not considered personal advice, even though we are registered financial advisors at Shoring Partners. Please note that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. In fact, the content on this podcast is general in nature and you should seek your own appropriate professional advice before you make your investment decisions. As Felicity and I jump on this recording, all the facts are known at the time being the 26th of September. Now let's jump straight into market sentiments right now. So I'll kick it off today with our bullish talking points for the week. So according to Bespoke Investment Group, the S&P is the most oversold in almost a year. The Fed left terminal rate unchanged in the latest SEP despite widely flagged upside risk. And Powell repeatedly said that the Fed can proceed carefully given how much tightening it's already done. There's big M&A with Cisco acquiring a splunk for 28 billion US in cash, while Microsoft cleared another hurdle facing Activision deal and headlines suggested additional interest in US steel. The consumer is still very resilient, which was actually highlighted by the BOFA CFO, who said, tough to see a US recession when consumer spending is up 4% more year on year. Uh, FedEx earnings beat by more than 20%, with takeaways focused on cost-saving program, helping to drive better ground margins along with share gains. So that's an interesting point. Uh, There's better labour headlines with the UAW progress at Ford as well as Hollywood Studios and writers a near agreement to end the strike with Chevron and unions at Australian's LNG facilities also reaching a new deal. And there's more China policy support with late week reporting Beijing considering relaxing curbs on foreign ownership of publicly traded companies. So again, another positive. And my last bullish talking point, the UK CPI came in cooler than expected. So that's actually providing a brief reprieve for bond yields. Yeah, I mean, it's got a long way to come down the UK inflation figure, but that is definitely a good wrap up on the bullish points. If we turn our focus to the bear camp, 
uh, they are really kind of honing in on the Fed takeaway, which was overall a more hawkish tone with the focus on the removal of 50 basis points of easing expectations in 2024. So Powell is also acknowledging they really have a neutral stance. It could be higher and this quote of higher for longer definitely continues. And that really pushes through to the bond markets. So there's more upward pressure we're seeing on rates for higher for longer, measuring with the 10-year yields above 4.5% at the moment and the 10-year real yields over 2%, which is the first time since early 2009. Uh, also, good news is a bad news is that is the theme rolling out for the markets this week with initial claims falling to the eighth month's low. There's really dampening disinflation traction and margin risk is really evidence in the US uh, flash PMIs data with the pickup there in input price inflation while hotter Canadian inflation print is among another driver for the higher rate for longer conversation. There's also big downside convexity surrounding systematic fund strategies with selling pressures expected even in a flat tape. We're also seeing uh, US equities with the biggest outflows in uh, since December last year, which is fitting with the risk-off sentiments, you know, investors rushing for safer assets like cash and bonds and money markets. Now, there's really a lot of talk around the mega tech sell-off as well. So there's dampened mega tech momentum with Barclays noting that the gap between the S&P 500's top 10 performers and the rest of the index, you know, down from the 90th percentile in June to 80th percentile currently. So really big widening spread, which also the valuation is scrutinized with uh, BOFA recently highlighting it's the widest valuation gap between the S&P 500 top uh, Magnificent Seven and the equal weighted industry since the dot-com bubble. So it's feeling really frothy, Felicity. And finally, you touched on the strikes, um, but I guess the, the bears are really concerned that it's going to be extended for longer with expanding strikes against GM and Stellantis. So it really seems like there are more bearish talking points this week. However, that doesn't stop us from adding new stocks to our order pad. So let's turn to investable ideas. Now, the recent market sell-off has been presenting some great long-term buying opportunities. So CB, what is a new investable idea that you're liking at the moment? So for me, a new idea to bring to the order pad. I have an international growth company which is currently trading below its IPO share price, but on a higher market share and valuation. I think this company has a large moat. It's penetrated enough market share and has done an excellent job of embedding its product and service into our everyday lives. So I'm talking about Uber and the code is U-B-E-R on the New York Stock Exchange. Easy to remember. Easy to remember. <laughs> Don't you just love the American uh, codes? They're so, so awesome. Now, Uber, if you're not familiar, but I'm sure everyone is, uh, it's a global logistical platform that offers rideshare and food delivery for users among the network of drivers and couriers. If we look at the US market alone, Uber is the number one rideshare player and continues to gain traction in the food delivery market. So the platform recently expanded its offering into delivery of non-restaurant products, uh, which is one of the largest secular growth areas in the business. So for example, you can get your pet groceries delivered to your door right now. Yeah, they've really done an excellent job to cater for the consumer's delivery demand. So why Uber now? So for me, it's Pretty simple. It comes down to these two points, valuation and set for growth. 
So as I mentioned, you know, the shares, you can pick them up for about 44 bucks US, maybe even lower on this volatility we're seeing. And that's below their May 2019 IPO price at 45 US per share, which put them at a valuation back then at 81 billion. On the multiple today, you're picking up the share price lower, as I said, in terms of the ticket price, but also on a 91 billion market valuation. And Uber famously burnt through $25 billion of cash before it firstly generated its positive cash flow in, in the quarter of 2022. So it's famously for growth and burning cash left, right and centre. But now we're at this pivotal point where they're targeting a new milestone, net profit. The company is already profitable on a preferred metrics um, and it is set to declare a profit and net cash position by December of this year. Really, if you look at the numbers, Felicity, and all the, the street consensus and the analyst breakdown of the financials, it's really going to pick up its um, profit profitability by FY24 and on, on, onwards. So for me, this one is about the market investors have been patiently waiting for the company to really hit these milestones. And I think they're going to be rewarded soon. I say that because the confidence on the call recently from the company, it's really underpinning the drive for growth, you know, excuse the pun here, but they really successfully communicate to the market. And I think that their earnings call and update is if you just go back to August, you'll hear that confidence. Yeah, it also probably helps that a lot of the other companies in the food delivery and rideshare went belly up. Uh, Can you give us your top takeaway points from their recent financials and a bit of a market update? Well, for me, that market share comment is exactly what the company is doing really well. They're just honing in on those segments. So the takeaways were, you know, Uber reported a strong set of uh, first quarter results for this year and the outlook for Q3 and Q4 beyond are looking better than expected in terms of their bookings growth, which are incredible, you know, margins and milestones if we think of where it's come from since 2019. The company implied a quarter-on-quarter growth in mobility and thus continuing to grow again ahead of pre-pandemic levels. So this is not just a COVID story. It's actually really embedded, like I said, into everyday lives. Adjusted EBITDA of $916 which was ahead of consensus, hitting around $843. So margin of 12% there and a lift. Um, overall, year on year, we're looking up about 14% upside for the company and 4% for the quarter on quarter. The last few points that I want to read out here is that Uber noted that mobility should be a bigger contributor to the overall revenue growth than delivery moving forward. And that's because the company is continuing to ramp up on Uber Reserve, shared rides like UberX and haulables. So management are really confident that they can increase margins above 7% long-term guide for the foreseeable future, which is fantastic. And also if we assume that their freight business is flat on a quarter-on-quarter basis and deliveries are only modest on a quarter-on-quarter basis, the market right now on the guidance, you know, it's really implying on mobility growth on a quarter-on-quarter basis, it will continue to outperform, like I said, pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, and I think just a point on this is everyone really uses Uber, right? Whether it's mobility or it's Uber delivery. I also love the Uber reserve where you can actually pre-book an Uber. That's so handy. Yeah, so do I. Just takes out the stress, right? And they're doing really great things for safety and precautions as well. So it's they're really listening to the consumer, which I like. And if you think about it, 
it's not a concern about the consumer because it's a very low cover charge generally. You take an Uber on average, the average ticket size is from about 15 to 25 in the US. So it's not like we're buying a TV here. So in terms of like if we look at the stock, right, it has had a massive rally so far. It's enjoyed the tech run up. It's about 70%. So it's run up about 77% year to date. But if I look at the last kind of, you know, pullback in terms of its other tech peers, it's not really given back all of its market share to the volatility that we're seeing. And I think that's because this company is about to enter a new phase being a profitable giant tech company. So I think this time next year in 2024, it's highly likely that the stock will be added to the S&P 500 index. To get into that, you've got to be profitable. And I think if that happens, we're going to be seeing a lot higher of a re-rate in share price, you know, well over 55 US per share. And the street agrees with me. So a lot of uh, eyes and earballs are looking at Uber and see how they can hit the last quarter for this year. Consensus is sitting around $58.46 US per share, which is implying 30% upside right now. So if you if you bought in early in the year, well done. You'd be up 100, hopefully, in the next sort of six or 12 months. And then UBS, which we follow for international stocks like this, are actually even more bullish with $65, implying 47% upside on their market price right now. Okay, I love it. Double digits all round and profitability in sight. Who knows, Uber could actually join the magnificent eight in the near <laughs> in the future, not the near future, in the future. Uh, now, in a moment, we're going to hear what Candice is buying more of, but first, let's hear from our sponsors. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, we are back. So Candice, what are you buying more of? So for my second idea, I want to reiterate CSL. Let me point out by firstly pointing to the obvious if I can. The market's response to the healthcare companies this reporting season has really challenged the defensive, quote-unquote, safe haven approach investors typically apply to the sector in weaker economic conditions. A lot of investors have been caught out here. And the biggest issue has been the loss of operating leverage causing, you know, of course, inflationary pressures, but in particular wages and the lack of pricing power available within the sector at the moment. So companies that, you know, kind of got ahead of this, they pre-released their results, uh, which the share price, you know, reflected the sell-off in the weeks leading up to the reporting season. And CSL and the management team there took it a step further by pre-releasing all of their, pretty much all of their earnings, which were much weaker uh, than expected when we went into reporting season. So what do you do? The sector feels a bit unloved, I'm going to say. And if you're looking for a great healthcare company or want to add to your healthcare exposure, I think you need to look at CSL because in terms of the comparables out there, it's really one of the highest quality stocks with a multi-year improvement in top line margin and cash flow. Also pointing out the elephant in the room, Felicity, we can't ignore it. It's 
every headline we're reading at the moment in the markets is obviously this obesity drug. So RMD has been significantly derated and, you know, fallen off quite its nice share price um, with the news. But it's important to remember, though, if you are a shareholder of RMD, it remains impossible to really qualify and quantify the GLP-1 effect other than it appears to be overdone and it's really shocking the stock in terms of share price. But what we know is that sleep apnea will not be cured by the role having solely played by the GLP-1 drugs when considering side effects and the cost difficulty to quantify. So it's really early in the launch, um, but obviously it's it's really shocked the healthcare sector and, and RMD in, in terms of stock is off 30%. So if you are a shareholder and you maybe still have profits, maybe think about the switch into CSL. Yeah, and look, the obesity drug is really shaking up the global healthcare sector. So back on CSL, which is more of a blood plasma business, what are your key takeaways to reiterate your buy opinion now? Well, I think that's a really good point to remember. It's a biopharmaceutical company, global, that manufactures, markets and distributes biopharmaceutical and healthcare products. So it's crucial in the supply chain of the global healthcare sector. It's not just an Aussie company here. It's it's very embedded throughout the globe. And it's demonstrated in its plasma business that over the last 25 years, they can deploy capital at a high rate and also able to consolidate the global plasma industry to the point where the market structure is well balanced. It's really an innovation company and their levels of R&D investment and CapEx over the next few years should enable the company to maintain, this is a key point, it's really going to maintain its marketing leading position in innovation and plasma economics. So drilling down to the outlook and upside then, what are the catalysts for a stock re-rate over $300 again? Yeah, (laughs) that's the million dollar question, right? Or the billion dollar question. In fact, 11 billion (laughs) if I can say that. Because if you look at their results, the company is confident that they can deliver on the Vicera acquisition. They paid $11 billion for it. So let's hope it's going to re-rate at least that in the short term. Um, but I think if we look at the prospect of this acquisition, it's, it's higher yielding initiatives in the plasma collection and the prospect of a new drug that might address recurrent heart attacks. So take that obesity because heart attacks is still the number one death globally out there. And if they they really also delivered a strong result, we can't ignore it. You know, CSL's revenue guidance for FY24 was ahead of consensus. And if we look at their performance in terms of growth across their key plasma categories, they've shown growth across all their products. So in the case of you know, CSL, for me, it's they're going to stick to their knitting, which they're very, 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 very good at. And they're also going to put more capex into their R&D innovation to revolutionise new drugs that we all need. So Street's still holding strong here, consensus sitting around 329 and change, another 30% upside. So I've got two 30% upsides for you. And UBS are even more bullish with their 12-month valuation of $340 per share, implying 34% upside. So for me, guys, it's go long for the ride. Again, excuse the pun, I can't resist. But go long for the ride in Uber and buy more of the ASX healthcare blue chip conglomerate company being CSL, which every investor should just put in their portfolio and not worry about it. So let's turn our focus to some more ideas in the markets. Felicity, what are you bringing to the Autopad? Okay, so my new idea today is Grain Corp. 
Now, the code is GNC and it's on the ASX. Now, GrainCorp is a leading Australian agribusiness and processing company with integrated operations across four continents and a proud history of delivering for customers for more than 100 years. So, it's over 100 years old. So, it's actually 100 Love years it. in 2016. Yeah, so it's a nice old company. Uh, it stood the test of time. Uh, now, the code – oh, no, did I say the code? Ignore that. Now, the market cap is $1.59 billion and the current price is sitting around $7. So first things first, how do they operate? So GrainCorp partners with growers to maximise the value of their crops, connecting them to domestic and global marketplaces through their end-to-end supply chain and infrastructure assets. They also develop innovative solutions to create high quality and sustainable products across the food, feed and industrial sectors. Now my investment thesis right now is there are some positive long-term fundamentals for the business, primary being the rising global demand for food. I know we've spoken about this earlier with elders, which has also Mm. come off quite a bit, uh, but we still think that's quite a good buy. Now, food insecurity has really been rising since 2018. So even before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the increasing frequency and severity of climate shocks, regional conflicts and the pandemic were all taking their toll on disrupting food production and distribution, driving up the cost of feeding people. I mean, you would have seen on the news recently that a watermelon is selling for about $50 for a watermelon. It's crazy. Which is just crazy. Um, now, it's this company is strategically located with well-invested assets across the east coast of Australia, as well as a global network delivering to 350-plus customers in 50-plus countries, which includes Grains Connect Canada and the JV with Saxon Agriculture. I mean, I think there's some very attractive growth opportunities here, each with a sustainable edge, which is another tick uh, moving into the future. They've also got a very, very strong balance sheet with net core cash, working capital to unwind as conditions normalise. Well, you know me, I love a really good balance sheet. I get excited about those things. <laughs> <laughs> but let's So let's go into the financials. What's going on with the latest with GrainCorp? Okay, so GrainCorp is strongly positioned to invest in growth as well as deliver shareholder returns. Now, the first half 2023 EBITDA is $383 million. Uh, there's growth in processing volumes and margins there. Now, we won't get the year end till the 30th of September. And we're recording on the 26th. However, FY23 EBITDA guidance is between five hundred to 560 million. The average EBITDA through the cycle is about 310 million, 200 million NPAT. Uh, return on invested capital is 22.7%. Like I said earlier, very strong balance sheet with 200 million core cash. Uh, gearing's low at 14%. The UMG stake is actually valued at 121 million. And FY23 interim dividend was declared at 24 cents per share, fully franked, which was paid in July. So the current forecast yield is about five and a half percent. So not only is there upside in growth, you're actually getting a nice little dividend. Which is perfect for this uncertain time in markets, right? When when companies can reward shareholders like that, it's great. Exactly. Let's turn our focus to the future and catalysts. Like what are you kind of keen on for GrainCorp? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of bringing things back to basics. And blue, like This is a very blue chip company. I mean, focused on food. It's something that everyone needs. I guess it's 
somewhat similar to Uber, that everyone needs mobility and transport these days, but everyone needs food even more so. Um, I think what's really interesting is there's been an increase in the oilseed crush volumes from 460 kilometric tonnes to 500 kilometric tonnes with the leading oilseed crusher and refiner in Australia. Uh, There's a sustained increase in oilseed crush margins driven by higher demand for oil for food and renewable fuels and margins for renewable fuel feedstocks, including UCO. I think what's also interesting is they partner with startups and growers to really develop solutions to environmental challenges through, for example, Grain Corp Ventures. So they're doing a lot here. Um, They've got some really key targeted growth opportunities in five main segments that I want to mention. You've got the alternative protein, you've got digital and ag tech, you've got animal nutrition, you've got grower services, as well as agri-energy. So I definitely think this is a company that's really, like I said, stood the test of time and is one to consider adding to your portfolio or adding more if you've already got it. The consensus price Price target is $9.23. So I've got a 30% upside for you here. Love it. <laughs> and the UBS price target is even more bullish at $9.50. Okay, well, I'm I'm a big believer in Grand Corp. So this one is, is a no-brainer for me. Let's go long, Grand Corp. Everyone loves supporting the local farmers. That's it. So for your second idea, what's also caught your eye in this sell-off? Okay, so I am reiterating my buy in IGO. So the mining and metals industry supports nearly half of the world's economic activity, according to some estimates, providing the raw materials that make life possible for nearly 8 billion people. And while mining has formed the backbone of Australia's economy for several generations, in the future, the industry could be set for an even greater role, supplying the critical materials needed for the world's clean energy transition. And so I believe IGO is very well placed for the future facing commodity energy clean transition. Now, it's a diversified Australian miner. It owns and operates the Novel Nickel Mine in Western Australia and holds a 49% interest in the Tiquan Australian Lithium JV, giving it a read-through of about just under 25% ownership in the Greenbushes Spodjuming Mine and 49% of the Kiwana Lithium Hydroxide Refinery, which is actually the largest and lowest cost hard rock lithium mine globally. So very quality assets there. So really what you're saying here is IGO is a safe, large cap, you know, diversified bet that the globe is taking to focus on metals and minerals that enable the clean energy transition that we all need to do to decarbonize, right? Absolutely. I mean, this is not a speculative lithium explorer or nickel explorer, that's for sure. So I want to reiterate the buy primarily due to the quality lithium leverage it offers through its 49% of TLEA and 25% of Greenbushes. I guess there's some key catalysts ahead. So one is the Cosmos project review in December. We've got two, the Kuana train one ramp up and train two feed, which will happen early calendar year 24. And number three, the new MD and CEO is actually commencing in December. So that's very exciting. This is another company that pays a fully frank dividend. It's actually paid 44 cents per share plus an additional special dividend of 16 cents per share. So the total was 16 cents per share. 
uh, which is kind of the main news at the moment. Now, IGO's new capital management policy sees targeted shareholder returns of 20 to 40%. So that's up from 15 to 25%. You know, free cash flow when liquidity is under a billion and the board will consider higher returns when liquidity is over a billion. So I think that's very exciting things to watch here. Definitely. And I think it's an excellent strategic move from the board and management, you know, like we said, to reward shareholders in uncertain marketable times like we are now. So if we look to their outlook, you know, what other catalysts are the company signaling? Going forward. So the upcoming catalyst is we expect IGO to announce a precursor cathode active material, so a PCAM partner before the end of the year. So watch this space. Oh, that's interesting. Exactly. So by now, IGO is very cheap. It's only trading at 6.9 times PE. Um, I'm ignoring Morgan Stanley's downgrade. I think that's why it was sold off a little bit. They believe the high battery material inventories could put significant pressures on prices. I mean, we see IGO future-facing commodity portfolio as defensive and even defensive into a declining lithium price environment. We expect the low-cost assets with scale benefits will likely outperform on margin. So current price is around $12. Consensus price target is $14.42, so 20% upside here. And UBS, again, is more bullish, $14.90. So UBS have been you know, more bullish on all of our stock picks, which is really interesting, isn't it? They have been, yeah. So there you have it, folks. You've got long in IGO for the decarbonization and future-facing metals. Then in the future, you'll be probably driving or in hopping into Ubers that are all battery-made, right? That's it. While you're enjoying your fabulous takeaway delivery food through Uber, supplied most likely by Grain Corp. And if you ever need to pop into a plasma donation via Uber Ride, that's CSL for you. There you go. I've wrapped it up. That's it. Healthy plasma from having lots of grains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Healthy foods, regenerative farming. So that's a wrap on Talk Money to Me. We hope you enjoyed the show. Before we sign off, please remember, although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shoring Partners, please note our discussion today and all of our stock ideas does not constitute as personal financial advice. As always, go out and seek your own professional advice before you make your decisions or reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, so our details are on our show notes below. And please make sure you follow us at Talk Money to Me podcast for daily market updates. Until next time. Stay invested. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs, or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.